Amen. Thank you, ladies. Open your Bibles again, if you will, please, to Hebrews chapter 12. A blessing to see our children continue to give in the offering, and I met some brand new young people this morning. I met Ezra. He's six years old. It's Nick and Jackie's grandson. Today is his first day in church. I'm glad that he's here, and I appreciate that. I talked to Lemuel. Today's his 10th birthday. He's from Ghana. And he and his family, his mama, he and his mama joined, and his brother joined our church just a few weeks ago. I appreciate the faith of young people, and I appreciate parents who teach them to have faith in God. I'm going to preach this morning, and I'm going to have to run like I'm running in a race to get finished on time. I'm preaching on running and finishing our race. Running and finishing our race. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word. Lord, it is your word that has the power to transform our lives into what they ought to be. Now, the purpose of our being here today is to be less of self and more like thee. It will make it much easier, Lord, if we yield to the Holy Spirit and your word as you work to change us and mold us and make us in your image. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Running and finishing our race. Nowhere in the Bible are we promised that the Christian life would be easy. In fact, Jesus told us the opposite when he said, for example, in John 16, 33, In this world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We're often tempted to quit on God and drop out of our race because of its difficulty. At the time of the writing of the book of Hebrews, Christians were facing a terrible time of trial and persecution. You see, Judaism had come to an end as they had practiced the law, and now the law is fulfilled in Christ. They don't offer an animal for sacrifice. They have faith in Christ, who is the Lamb, to take away the sins of the world. And so life has changed. And some of them are saying, if you don't go back to keeping the law rather than just having faith in Christ, you're wrong and certainly you will perish. And they put pressure on those that were putting their faith in Christ. In fact, a church changed to Sunday from the Sabbath day on the resurrection of Christ. As Christ rose from the grave the first day of the week, we celebrate the resurrection by being in church today on Sunday. And some of them were facing not just hatred and not just slander and not just persecution. Some were even being martyred because of their faith in Christ. And the writer is writing to them to encourage them, stay in the race, finish the race. And he compared the Christian life to running a race that was very difficult. And he writes to them to challenge them to finish. And that's what I preach to us today. Let's stay in the race. Let's stay in our race. The race God has given each of us individually in his will. I read the story as probably most of you saw or heard the story when President Biden offered to help evacuate 
Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, his response to Biden was, I need ammunition, not a ride. Would to God we'd have some Christians that will say, I'm going to stay in the race until I'm finished. The book of Hebrews compares the Christian life to a race and not a hundred yard dash, not even a mile run, but he's referring to a marathon, a race that requires both preparation and endurance. And it's easy to talk about another person's trial and challenge them to stay in the race as they're facing trials. But it's difficult when you're facing trials yourself to stay encouraged to stay in the race. As a pastor of many of you this morning and many of you I've prayed for as I spend much time every week in praying for the folks in our church and praying for your needs, I know many of you are facing some difficulties and hardships in your life right now. And there is oftentimes a desire to just, just give up, just say I'm not even going to try, thinking that it's an easier way out and yet we have a challenge not only from life itself but from God and his word to run with patience the race that is set before us. May we be as Paul was when he came to the end of his life and he said, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. I want to give us three reasons from this passage of scripture that we should stay in the race that is set before us. Stay in the race as a Christian, as a child of God, letting our light shine until Jesus comes. Staying in the race as parents, working to rear our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And perhaps you're a single parent, and it's difficult to be both mom and dad. But the challenge today is to stay in the race, and as others have, you too can complete your course that God has put you in today. Perhaps it's as a teacher or a preacher or a senior saint. I encourage you today with these three reasons to stay in the race. Here's the first reason, considering those that have gone before us. Look at verse number one. Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us. Now, chapter 11 is a chapter that we call the great hall of faith chapter. And it takes those that are uh, obedient to Christ through faith in him. And they're great people because of their great faith in God. And he's referring to these people as our witnesses. They've run their race and now they're watching us run our race. There are folks in the stands. They're watching in the grandstands of heaven that are watching us as we run our race. Now, that is a motivation. That is a challenge. That is an encouragement to me. I'm thankful for the freedom that I have in America. I'm thankful for the freedom I have to stand and preach the word of God, to go outside and preach, to go house to house and door to door and person to person. I'm thankful for the freedom that we have to operate our business and to rear our families and children. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. But there was a great price paid for the freedom that you and I have and the generations before have paid for that price. Uh, one day I'm going to see them face to face. I don't want to be ashamed as John says in 1 John. When I see them, I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to be the generation that gave away the freedom they fought to give me. I want to be challenged to stay in my race by those who have gone before me. 
There are two ways that those who have gone before us challenge us. First of all, by the fact that they're watching. They are witnesses in our race. Now, I don't understand all of what this says, and I can't give in detail what this all means, but it does say you and I should be affected by the fact that there's a great cloud of witnesses, and it just doesn't say people in heaven. Witnesses are those that are observing what's going on, and so we're challenged by the fact that they're witnessing our lives, and second, by the fact that we'll see them one day. Think of Christians who died for the cause of Christ. This King James Bible was a result of a man who gave his life translating the scriptures and as a result in England uh, he was burned at the stake and William Tyndale cried out from the fires that burned around him and his last prayer was Lord open the eyes of the King of England and then 75 years later God answered that prayer and in 1611 uh, King James issued uh, uh, the uh, uh, the, the, the ruling to uh, translate the scripture and we have the King James 1611 in our hands today because of the price that was paid for the word of God. We're going to see them one day. You think of single parents in the scripture. I thought this week of Naomi whose husband died in Moab and yet she told Ruth, she said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And as a single lady, she followed her mother-in-law, uh, who now is single as their husbands have died in Moab, but they determined to serve God. The widow at Zarephath that helped care for Elijah, who had the one son, she finished her race. She's a witness, and no doubt she's cheering for those that are single mothers to finish their race that God has put you in uh, today we're going to see them one day and I say first of all let's finish our race because those who have gone before us some of you have moms dads aunts uncles brothers sisters you have folks in heaven and they want you to finish your race the last thing I want to be is a quitter I don't be a quitter in my race uh, he said it would be difficult and I understand that but I don't want to be a quitter in the race. The second thing I want to give you, we ought to be challenged because of considering our own responsibilities. First of all, he said, look at our witnesses in heaven, and then he addresses our responsibilities. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. He tells us here to consider our responsibilities as he encourages us in spiritual and physical responsibilities. He continues to use this runner as an example uh, to you and I today. You know what he's saying? Hey, get yourself in shape. You've got a race to run. There's no need to carry that extra weight. You say, preacher, I go to the doctor to hear that, not church. But anyway... I'm not talking about physical weight. I'm talking about the weight that would beset us as a, a, a spiritually as a Christian. And since our race is a spiritual race, you understand the things that you and I face that, that fight to discourage us, those are spiritual attacks. Those are not physical or, or personal. The devil is using that to discourage us. And we win when we win spiritually with Christ. 
As a Christian, we need to rid our lives of things that would keep us from running the best we can as a parent, as a Christian, as a servant, as a preacher, as a, a one in the will of God. We want to get rid of addictions to sin and wrong company and negative companions and negative influences and activities that keep us from gaining spiritual strength. One of my struggles, or I'll use the word, one of my excuses for not exercising as much as I could, as much as I should is I don't have time. I'm busy eating. But anyway, <laughs> one of the reasons we don't exercise, we know we need to, is because we don't have time. We don't make time. The same is true in the Christian life. You're going to be in shape spiritually. If you're going to read the Word of God, we need the Word of God every day. If we're going to pray, we need to spend time in prayer every day. We need to be faithful to church. Church encourages us. Church challenges us. You know what we are? We're all a group of people the same struggling, trying to accomplish God's will and finish the race. All of us are in this fight together. It's encouraging to see a great crowd. It was encouraging to see thousands in the choir singing this morning and challenging us to, uh, to press on and fight on. And we're all serving and working together to accomplish God's will uh, for our life. We have to stay in shape. We have to read the Word of God. I challenge you this week. One of the reasons I promoted this book right here is to be an encouragement and, and a help in walking with God. You have to have something to get you started every day. Something that you would read, a story that would motivate you and take you to Scripture where you find principle. We don't live life by emotion and feeling. We must live a life by principle. We need the Word of God every day. You say, preacher, I don't have time. We have to make time. There's some things that are not as important as reading scripture. There's some things not as important as spending time in prayer. Oftentimes, we'll watch a news cycle again and again and again. Some time has to be given spending time with God. Oh, how we need to set aside the time to be faithful in church. How we need to set aside a time to find a place of service for God. And he says here, Run with patience the race that is set before us. The word patience is often misapplied today. We use the word patience like this. We say, well, I want to be patient. I want to wait for the right time to do that. But patience in the Bible means go ahead and do right. Whether the circumstances are good or not, do right. And patience is not waiting for obedience Patience is waiting for the reward of obedience. You see, God promises to reward obedience, but sometimes, and there are those that will never get a reward here on earth, but they'll get the reward in heaven. And patience is not an excuse to delay obedience. Patience is saying, I'm going to do right, and then I'm going to trust God to give the reward in his time. We like, paid at the, we like getting paid at the end of the day. As I said in Sunday school, this crowd today, they like getting a bonus just for signing up. I mean, everywhere you turn right now, $300 signing bonus. Just to sign up, that's just a promise to go to work. And some people are too lazy to sign that. 
But in God's work, we don't get paid every Friday in green cash. We don't get paid at the end of the day. God gives a reward in his timing when he knows his right. And sometimes we serve. You think of those soldiers that fought for our freedom, that their bodies were left even in foreign countries and their blood was spilled in foreign countries. They're not enjoying the freedom that we are today, but they were paying. Their reward is the freedom we enjoy today and they'll not enjoy that until they get to heaven. You and I have responsibility ourselves. Three reasons to stay in a race. Stay in a race. Don't quit. Look at those that have gone before. Look at our responsibility and then my favorite. I love this. Look at verse number two. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Notice this endured the cross. There's some things we must endure. Despising the shame, they stripped the Lord Jesus naked as he, as he hung there on the cross between heaven and earth. They mocked him and they shamed him in every way. The caption they put on the sign above his head was a sign of mockery and making fun Jesus did all that for the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? As he looked through the ages of time, he saw me as a five-year-old boy when I walked down the aisle of that Baptist church and I trusted Christ as my Savior. He saw you through the ages of time kneeling to trust Christ as Savior, whether it was at home or whether it was at work or vacation Bible school. The Bible says, look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I love this example. Looking to Jesus. Now some may say, well I can't be like Jesus. Why would he be an example? You know why? Because Jesus didn't live his life in the power of God's divine power. He came in the form of flesh. Listen to me now. Here's what he did. Jesus trusted in the Holy Spirit. He trusted in the word and he spent time in prayer. Jesus did those things. That's why he's our example. Do you know before Jesus began his earthly ministry, he spent 40 days in prayer and fasting. Do you know before Jesus chose his disciples, he prayed all night long, times of prayer and fasting. Jesus didn't use divine power to finish his race. He trusted in the power of the Holy Spirit and a prayer to the Father and of the Word. When Satan came to Jesus to tempt him in the wilderness, you know what Jesus did? Jesus could have turned, uh, he could have turned the stones to bread, but I couldn't do that. Do you know what he did? He did what I could do. He answered the devil with the Word. Now I can do that. I can't turn stones into bread. Some of you ladies turned bread into stones this morning, uh, but that's not what he's talking about. Uh, he said, uh, he, he answered him with the word of God. We look to Jesus. Think about what Christ faced. He was born to a mother. I'm hesitant to use this word. Uh, you understand the story, but it, it caused Joseph a great problem to find out his wife was expecting. She was with child, but he had not personally known her physically. Born to an unwed mother with a stepfather. Born in a stable. 
born to poor parents. His life was threatened as an infant. He was raised in a town that was despised. His stepfather died when he was young. I think he worked to support his mother in Matthew chapter 13 and other passages. They said, is this not the carpenter? They looked down upon him. They despised him. He had no home and no place to lay his head during his earthly ministry. He was hated and he was opposed by others. He was accused of insanity. He was accused of demon possession. He was often rejected. He was hated and opposed by those that heard him speak. There were times that they heard Christ speak and they said, never man spake like this man spake. And yet as they talked among themselves, they stirred up a hatred for this man because of his simplicity and the despised city that he came from. In two different times, they threw him out of the temple. And one time, they threw him headlong out of the city. That's what they did to Christ. Hey, folks, none of us have faced what Christ has faced even in the flesh. And we look to him and aren't you glad that he finished his race. And as he hung on the cross, he cried, it is finished. He was betrayed by a close friend. He was left alone, rejected and forsaken by all of his friends. He was taken before the high court of the land and he was tried for treason. He was executed as a common criminal and placed between two thieves to magnify their thoughts of who Christ was. And they put him between two that deserved to die because of the thieves and murderers and they placed him there. That's what Christ went through. Surely you and I can finish the race God's given us to do. The resolve that we've seen in pictures from the Ukrainian people, I mean, it just, it, you, you have to admire and respect the resolve. Perhaps you saw the video, I saw a video of a Ukrainian woman in her 70s. She approached a Russian soldier. He was armed, she was not armed. She approached him, he told her to move. She told him it was her country, told him to move. He said, you're escalating this. She said, no, you've already escalated it yourself. You know what she did? She offered him a pack of sunflowers. She said, put these in your pocket. Sunflowers will grow on your grave. She said, at least you'll have sunflowers to grow on your grave when you die here. That woman, she said, I'm not leaving. This is my country. Would God give us the resolve to say, I can't quit. Look at those that have gone before me. Look at the Savior one day I'll see face to face and what he did for me. I'm not saying, and Jesus didn't say anything about life and Christianity being easy, but he did say, by his grace and power, we can. A man by the name of Derek Redmond is one of the most memorable runners in all of Olympic history. It's not because he won so many gold medals, although he did win an Olympic gold medal. He first appeared in the Olympics in 1988 at the Games in Seoul, Korea. He was forced to withdraw minutes before the opening heats of the 400-meter race due to an Achilles tendon injury. 
The following year, he considered giving up his career as injuries continued to trouble him, but he would not quit. And despite his injuries, and there was no question of his talents, at the age of 19 in 1985, he broke the 400-meter British record running 400 meters in 44.82 seconds. Despite the heartbreak at Seoul Redmond, Derek Redmond was a part of the Great Britain team. They weren't favored to win that relay 400 meters the United States was. But they stunned the United States. And in 1991, they took the gold medal at the World Championship in Tokyo. Having a reputation as one of his country's best relay runners, he wanted to run as an individual athlete. And he was touted to win his first Olympic medal in Barcelona, Spain. In the preliminary round of preparation that day for the big event, he registered the best time of four years. He and his team and family were so excited. He then finished the first, he then finished first in the quarterfinals of the 400 meter event, and next was the semifinal. The race started, and with momentum on his side, Redmond started fast. And he ran the first 150 meters ahead of the others, but all of a sudden, Redmond fell to the ground on his knees. He got up, he took a couple of more strides, but he realized that he had ruptured his hamstring. With his competitors way ahead of him and finishing the race, Redmond, for a few seconds, was motionless on the track with his hands over his face as he broke down in tears. He knew his dream was over, but as the medical officials came to help him off the track, he refused to leave. And he got up and he started hobbling, hopping toward the finish line with an obvious pain of a torn hamstring, tears streaming down his face. As he limped along, a man emerged from the crowd, barging his way onto the track against the protest of security officials. He reached out to Redmond, and at first Redmond pushed him away, not knowing who it was. As Redmond would later tell the story, he said all of these doctors and officials were coming onto the track trying to get me to stop, but I was having none of it. Then with a hundred meters to go, I became aware of someone else on the track. I did not realize it was my father, Jim. He put his arm around his dad and he said, Derek, it's me. You don't need to do this. Derek said, Dad, I want to finish. Get me back into the semifinals. And if you watch the video of Derek Redmond, you would see as he, with his arm around his father's shoulders, limping in tears, the entire stadium of people were standing in ovation, not because he was about to win a gold medal, that had long ended, but they stood in ovation because he finished his race. 
Dear friend, I want you to know there is a heavenly Father in heaven who loves you, and if you have to limp to the finish line, he'll be there to help you all the way through. I say this morning, Christian soldier, press on. I say to you, teenager, with no family to support you in your walk with God or your education, I say to you, press on. I say to you, young parents, rearing your children in a world that is so cross against the scripture, I say this morning, let's press on. I say to the widow or to the widower, I say to those who are working to live life alone and finish life's task, I say to you, press on. We have a race to run. Let's finish it. Stand with me, if you will, this morning. Three reasons to press on. First of all, the crowd of witnesses that are already in heaven. Second of all, my own responsibility. Third of all, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of God. Lord, and as you write to these Christians in this book of Hebrews who are not facing criticism, but they're facing persecution. They're not facing hate crimes. They're facing martyrdom. And you tell them not to run, not to hide. You tell them to press on. Lord, as we pray for and pull for the people of Ukraine against the communist dictator, Lord, we want them to succeed. And Lord, may we look at that and say, I must succeed. I must finish the race that is set before me. I pray that we would have that determination this morning. In Jesus' name I pray.